check, check, check. You got a check. I got a talent. Unless it's mechanical. I don't do car work. Some people say, Josh, that we need a hobby. I would argue our hobby is podcasting. I have many hobbies. I have plants, plants, aquariums, <laughs> painting, more plants. I had chickens painting. for a little while. Painting. You sound <laughs> painting. 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 Sometimes I have to remember that I'm not a backwoods country boy, that I need to sound proper. Especially because I have a podcast and sometimes people like to write in or leave reviews and they like to talk about how I speak. Hey, this is the way I talk and not everything is proper, but we're from (laughs) Indiana. If everybody talked exactly the same, it would be boring. Right. I like my little twang. And when we grew up, our grandma, who raised us, she would say, washed cloth. Washed Wash the dishes. Gonna go wrench my hands. Yeah, and... Go wrench your hands off in the sink after you get a drink out of the water hose. (laughs) Gonna go start a fire to keep the house warm. I used to watch how I would talk, like right now. I'm watching how Mm -hmm. I speak, and I can speak properly. Try to enunciate. sound like I am more educated, but... Right. Or sound like you are working a sex hotline. Right. Hello. Welcome to Mystery Inc. After right. Dark. After Ooh. Dark, After Dark. <laughs> How are you doing? Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> you have a check. We have a talent. <laughs> what do you need? What do you want? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of when we talk about my assistant a lot. My assistant has been my best friend for a very long time. Kim, Hi, Kim. Kim Kimberly. She's who, marvelous. Who also goes through and listens to our podcast before we release it to make sure we don't make a fool out of ourselves. They're good friends. If you ever see them together, you would think that they are mortal enemies by oh, the way they talk to each other. Yeah. We like to help tear each other down. We know that it's in love, but anyway... It reminds me of one time we like to not play pranks on each other, but we like to laugh a lot. And that's where a lot of people will see us and like, we do not do this. Like if we were to do a live show, Josh, Kim and I would not be acting a fool. Like we look professional when we go places. But a part of how Kim and I are such good friends is we, Kim's going to die laughing because (laughs) I don't know how we talk about her on every episode. I told her she needs to join us sometime. Oh, I know. She'd be so boring, though. So hard. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Kim. She is a delight. I'm so nice to Kim. It's funny. <laughs> well, she could poison us all. They're so mean to her. And I'm like, you are an angel sent from heaven. Hey, guys, I brought cupcakes today to the, to the office. Won't you all have one? All your all diabetes and diets mm. and food allergies. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to eat them. I don't have any of that, though. Oh, well, I, you, you're very good at watching what you eat. He eats very healthy, and I eat like a 12-year-old teenage boy, like Mountain Dew and Pop-Tarts. And you're the thin one. <laughs> but anyway, back to Kim. We like to laugh a lot, and that's where our very sarcastic humor comes from whenever we are giving each other a hard time. So when Josh makes a comment about how if you don't know our humor, the way that we interact with each other, you would think that we absolutely are mortal enemies. 
that's because we are so very sarcastic to one another that we just appear that we hate each other, but we do it because it makes us laugh. So all that to say, when Josh was doing that little noise earlier, one time I had a hold of Kim's phone and I changed it to where anytime she, I know, anytime she plugged in her phone charger, (laughs) it would turn the volume all the way up. I had this automation going. It turned the volume all the way up and then it screamed, oh yeah, (laughs) put it in me. And she... (laughs) I did not tell her that I did that because you don't tell people that you do these things. Right. And wait for the surprise. Right, right. And boy, was she surprised <laughs> when she went to go charge her phone. She texts me a little oh, later and she heavens. goes, I don't know what you did to my phone, but when I see you again, you're going to undo it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that's the relationship too, where she instantly, I know, texted you because she was like, oh, This yeah. can't be anybody else. Mm-hmm. My loving daughter would not do this to me. Oh, yeah. And yeah, no, it's me. And then I also, whenever I can, <laughs> I, I get a hold of her Facebook and then I like to change her Facebook status. So, like, for example, one time, I went onto her Facebook. He does this all I the do. time. Well, it's her I, own fault. Don't I do leave it, your phone. And I do it so often that all of her Facebook friends, although they don't know me, they know my name now. Yeah. And they love when I do it. So like, I ever I the lady them, that did. Yeah. And so I had never met her, but she knew me through doing this. She's so, like, are you Kim Shane's brother? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then if by happen chance I meet these people in public, they're like, oh my gosh, I love when you do these things to Kim's Facebook. They crack me up. So like, for example, one time <laughs> I went on to the public pages where you can like look for a recommendation, but I did it. It stresses in, me out. I know. I did it in the marketplace. Oh my God. And I put that she was looking for a man, but like looking for a single man who had no commitments and a big credit score. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Who isn't? I know. (laughs) And then there was all these stipulations, though, and it was just so funny. It was like, in my mind, if you could create a dating profile of, like, your perfect person that you were looking for, but you could be completely honest, you know, that you're looking for a man who is single, but has a perfect credit score and isn't afraid to show you his credit history. And I feel like now when people meet, they could be like, oh, I have a great credit history. But I'm sure you remember this. Do you remember when we were younger, not too young, I think we were probably in middle school, when someone in our dad's family got married to this pretty girl? I believe he was a little older, but and she was a little younger, you know, the type. Oh, yeah. And... They got married, and shortly after they got married, the man started getting these calls. And come to find out, she had like $100,000 worth of credit card debt. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they got divorced real quick. And Do people, like, really people don't go over finances before? No, people don't do that. And it's so crazy to me. But you also have to think, like, in school, you weren't, at least in our school, we weren't taught like how to balance your checkbook right? or how to apply for a credit card and how important it is to have credit and sustain your credit score and how important your credit score is and how those type of meanings, for those of you who are listening and cannot view the show, Josh <laughs> is in heat today. And every time there's a cute man who walks into the building, 
I just need a water bottle and just start spraying <laughs> you. We get he he came in here first because I had a doctor's appointment this morning and there was evidently a good looking man getting getting his hair cut. Well, not necessarily good looking, just tall, but you ladies know that counteract tall you said he was tall and he had muscles big arms big arms yeah i'm not picky he looked like he was either (laughs) you don't even need a good credit score he looked like he was once either in prison or he could be a police officer or or in the army or once in the army yeah it was hard to tell not that there's anything bad about that but you know army and prison you both you've seen some stuff and you probably got lots of tattoos (laughs) and muscles (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, boys, call me. I'm on Instagram. No. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is in heat today. I'm going to have to bring a water sprung. bottle. <laughs> I need a water bottle in here. What are the, I'm in rut. <laughs> and people are probably out there wondering, like, are they recording in a haircutting place? It's no, right we, next. Yeah. It's next door to us. So we have a small little studio that we record in. And in our building, there are other offices and businesses in here and so one of them is a nice little haircut place and so there's guys that go in there to get the haircut josh about breaks his neck every time there's a cute one it's not all the time it's a very small town but every once in a while it's a nice little it's like a little cup of coffee a little pick me up (laughs) you are too much what were you talking about? I don't <laughs> Kim. Yeah. Oh, one of the things that I always remember one time you made her Facebook status something like, I like to sit on the dryer just so I can feel something. <laughs> like, that's the type of things yeah. that he puts on. It was sometimes I like to go outside and let mosquitoes bite me just so I can feel something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which so, the first few times I blamed him, but it happened so much. I'm like, quit leaving your phone unattended. Right. Well, you know, one time she changed her password on her phone, but she uses the same password on everything. She's going to die that I'm saying this. I almost said it too. Yeah. She uses <laughs> It's the a same. creepy password. If a man used this password, oh he God, would be I arrested. I know he would. Arrested. Every time she says it out loud, I'm like, you need to change that password, <laughs> Kim. But anyway, she uses the password on everything. And one time she tried changing it, but then she forgot what it was. And so then, yeah, it was just a whole hot mess express. So she doesn't change it anymore. But I do have an agreement with her that if I do change it, if I change her Facebook status, there's a certain line and I have to (laughs) not go over the line. So I ride that line very finely. Well, she, you know, again, she lives in a small, small town. So it's Mm -hmm. very rural religious friend base (laughs) well that's the thing like i love good jokes and i love to laugh and we push the line yeah i i like to ride the line when it comes to certain jokes and a lot of people do not care for that type of humor you see their face and you're like nope that's yeah line is pushed too far for this group (laughs) yeah you just have to really be careful and i know just from experience for doing it for this many years now how far I can push that line on her Facebook. <laughs> but if you're also, I should mention that if you're listening and I sound weird, it's because just a couple of days ago, I got my, all four of my wisdom teeth removed. So I feel like my voice isn't fully back to normal. Yeah. It's a little bit, a little deeper. Yeah. It's weaker to me. It takes more energy for me to be able to talk. 
and it's kind of painful. <laughs> but I've been there. Well, it took such a long time for them to do it because the bottom two of my wisdom teeth, the roots were so long and they were sideways, which is why they had to come out. They almost but, had to break his jaw to get them out. Yeah, oh. it was not pretty. Ooh. But because of the extent and how long it took to do it, I'm still numb even after this many days. But, I'm surprised he's talking in here yeah. at the office. Well, I hate, I absolutely despise sitting at home and doing nothing. And the dentist was like, okay, until I see you again, which will be a week on friday take it easy yeah he's like stay at home and do nothing and i was like okay (laughs) but then i got home from the procedure and you remember how i was talking about the vicodin or whatever yeah yeah uh, or hydrocodone well i know what that is now because that's what he had given me so that's right yeah so well it just makes me really sleepy i just slept the whole time so i only took it for a day before i was like no i'm not doing that anymore i'm gonna switch to tylenol and ibuprofen gonna want to make sure you eat plenty of fiber Mm -hmm. well i just you have to just constantly eat because it just will tear up your stomach but anyway yeah so i had to swear to the dentist that i would sit around and not do anything but i'm not the type of person so as soon as i got home that day there was an issue with one of our podcasts not releasing on time. I don't know what it is with Apple, but it didn't go out to Apple. It went to everywhere else, but it wasn't publishing to Apple. You guys have enough money. Get it fixed. <laughs> right. Well, and it should be automatic. It normally is, but it didn't publish automatically to it. And Kimberly texted me to tell me that it hadn't been published the night before to it. So I had to send in a ticket and I was doing all these things while I had just gotten home from this procedure. So I was not in the best mood or (laughs) the best state to to be doing this work. So I crafted an email to Apple and was working on that. And then surprised you remember even doing it halfway through trying to fix it. I ended up having to go take a nap, but then I ended up coming back to work on it again. He also created an OnlyFans page just out of the blue. <laughs> Josh is lying. I didn't Whatever, know you know, those videos, people after the dentist. Oh my gosh, right. Well, and then yesterday I was like, okay, I can't stay home anymore. I have to get out. It's been two days. So then I texted you and I was like, well, and then like prior to this, you and I talked about me being out for a week and then we weren't going to record anymore for a week so that I could have time to, to Right, rest I just imagine you'd be sore and yeah. asleep for a several days right and then we planned for that but then yesterday i texted you and i was like okay i've been writing more and researching more for mystery inc we should record today if you can and you're like Could we do uh, tomorrow i'm like i'm writing two other podcasts <laughs> right now and i was like yeah i guess which is probably really good that we didn't do yesterday because my face was so swollen that it really hurt to talk but My swelling has gone down a lot today, so that's positive. Good. Although, yesterday, I freaking forgot to bring with me to the office Tylenol and ibuprofen. Oh. And then I I put it next to my shoes today, so I wouldn't forget to bring it. I do that. I put it in my shoes. Well, I didn't put it in my shoes. I put it next to my shoes, but then I had a podiatrist appointment this morning, and I ended up bringing different shoes. Of course. So I didn't bring that with me. So when we get done recording today, I'll probably have to go home so I can take that medicine because after a while when what I took this morning wears off, 
there's just this ache and pain that just starts to take over and then it becomes this really bad migraine and it's absolutely horrific. I bet. Ooh. Yeah. But it's better to me to be able just to be able to be out and doing stuff and like recording this than sit at home and doing nothing. I right. get so bored. But I did watch the Jared from Subway thing on Discovery Plus. Oh, yeah. There How are, was it? So there are three episodes and I really liked it. It was really good. The only thing that was new that I did not know about really was, of course, in the episode that our first episode that we did here, I had mentioned that his business partner had gotten arrested first. Well, that guy's two stepchildren, his two stepdaughters were a part of the feature. So yeah, you hear from them and you hear what they went through and they were two people who he had filmed Mm. and yeah, they were underage and he was filming them, you know, showering and he had a secret camera in their rooms and their lifestyle that him and their mom created around them was crazy. Like, although they were underage, I think that they were like 13, 14, maybe maybe 14 or 15. Yeah. They were completely children underage. But that lifestyle that they created around them when their mom started going with him was completely inappropriate. The mom would allow them to drink, would actually suggest that they drink and party. Oh, my God. And Don't, were, be, don't be your kid's friend. Be their parent. Right? And there were times one of them was talking about, this is going to get just a little graphic, but there was one time when one of them was talking about her coming home and in her room there was a dildo <gasps> next to her bed Mm-mm. and the stepdad had messaged her and was like just so you could have a little fun or something like that <gasps> and uh-huh. little did she know that anytime she would do anything to herself in her room that would be filmed mm-hmm. and that would be circulated by oh him God. to other people and so the FBI had all of that, all that videos. and not They only tried of, to say they didn't do nothing. Right. Not only of them, though, of their friends. So they talked about when the FBI did the raid and took all of that evidence, those two girls got called into the FBI and had to go through. Even more traumatizing. Mm-hmm, they had to go through all that video and images and identify and not which even of their know friends. That's- they were being filmed. Yeah. They had to identify which of their friends were in those pictures and videos. Like, can you imagine? Just the ultimate form of yeah. violation. Well, and then, so of course their stepdad gets convicted and goes to prison. And then Jared gets convicted and goes to prison. Well, more recently, their mom, the FBI goes back and then charges their mom with some of that to the, I think the FBI reopened the case and tried to find out how much the mom knew and was involved and was able to find out that the mom had more to do with it than what they initially thought. And so they were able to charge the mom and the mom is in prison now too. So now not only have these two girls been violated and sexually abused, but now they're orphans pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them at least is old enough that she has children of her own if I remember right, that she talks about in the series. And she said that they are becoming of age that she was 
when she remembered in oh. some of the videos of her being filmed. And I would she be was, such a helicopter parent. I know. That was me. I know. I'd go check their room like with that camera checking device like every other day. I like, know. Okay, let's see. Mm. But I, I think the only thing for me that was missing in the documentary was more details about what Subway knew. You could tell that they were trying to just skirt over not being sued. Mm. Uh, I wonder because, if they paid to keep some stuff out. I don't think so. I think that because there was, it's almost comical because there's one statement where this person makes a very scripted statement about how, well, a lot of people question on how much Subway knew and when they knew it. But I probably think that they probably didn't know anything. And I was just like, that was a statement to not get sued by Subway. <laughs> like, that was a clearly blanket statement to not get sued by Subway. <laughs> so that was a cop-out statement. Like, right. in that moment, I started laughing. And here I am in my bed just after surgery from all this wisdom teeth, laughing, swollen, chipmunk <laughs> face, like, just thinking, you just try to save yourself from not getting sued but i do think that they should have touched more on that because there were some details of that scenario that was left out mm. they did not touch on the reports of when subway knew what or people reporting things on subway that was completely all of that was left out it was just the focus was on jared and his business dealings with the other mm. guy so that was their focus i think it was solely not to get sued they're like, allegedly, Subway. Yeah, it was like the quickest 30-second statement of some people question, but I think probably, like, it was just so <laughs> BS. Like the end of those pharmaceutical commercials. Side effects may include anal leakage, anal seepage, <laughs> anal bleeding. Yeah, it was Rectal just... blowout. It was just kind of silly, and I don't know. I was just like, really? Come on now. It was yeah. always something. They're going to make a second one. Now the story of Subway. I know. Well, they really should. They'll probably put this one out, see how it's reacted, and then go in on them. Well, it might be Netflix that they like to do things that will push the line of getting sued. I like Subway, but I'm not spending $20 on a cold lunch meal. Did I sandwich. tell you about going there with mom? Yeah, it was like 40 bucks for the yeah, two of you. for two foot longs. Yeah. Now, mind you, like, it was like a foot long, a little thing of chips, which, let me tell you, that's mostly air. And those chips are like less than a dollar. I mean, it's... They are ridiculously tiny. Half a like, cup of potato chips it's barely half a cup it's, and a beverage it's ridiculous. yeah and we just got a normal size beverage and our sandwich was just a normal sandwich there was no extra meat or anything like that cold cock combo yeah <laughs> and they were josh is making a, a reference to when our grandma i'm a gene i'm a genius on our dad's side of the family accidentally <laughs> said cold cock combo her first trip to subway she has anxiety like i do and she got real nervous and mm -hmm. she's like i'll, I'll take a, a cold cock combo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made her even more nervous yeah like me yesterday at the store when i accidentally dropped my basket right in the middle and made a loud bang where were you just at the dollar store oh. i walked in and 
grabbed a basket and another one was stuck at the bottom and before I could grab it it like fell off and just like made the, mm. the store was like bone quiet I was just sorry all these little old ladies gave me dirty looks did it sound like a shotgun yes oh I was god. like oh my god I hate this is my worst <laughs> nightmare I hate when people <laughs> look at me in the store right and the last thing that we want to ever do is bring attention to ourselves <laughs> so you just want to get in and get out and you're like boom I almost walked out <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't. Oh, don't need that. Bye. No thanks. <laughs> Just take off. This running. place is infested with rats. I'm leaving. <laughs> Call me the road runner. I will. Right. If it's uncomfortable or I'm nervous. I'm, meet me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the time you left me with that pizza. Do you remember <laughs> that? Vaguely. It was a while back. It was when you guys were living in Richmond. The and, Americana. Yeah. Yeah. And. Josh and I went to go pick up this pizza that our mom was supposed to have ordered and she had sent us with money to go pick it up. Right. And evidently she didn't give us enough money to pick it up. And Josh went in to go grab the pizza and he's like, Hey, I'm here to pick up the pizza. The name is waters. And they're like, okay, the total is we'll say it's $40. And they're <laughs> like, Josh is like, Oh, she only gave me 38. And he's like, well, never mind. No, thanks. He <laughs> just turned around and walked out. And he comes back to the car, sits down. Just They didn't give us enough. Oh, well. Yeah. And he's just like, okay. And I was like, where's the pizza? And Josh is just like, mom didn't give me enough money. So I told him we didn't want it. And I was like, I have two extra dollars. Hold on. Let me find it. <laughs> so we went back in. Well, there's the a reasoning too. That is one of the worst pizza places oh. I've ever eaten at. They are like a knockoff of a popular chain. Shane and I were mm. used to growing up here in the Midwest. And it just oh, horrendous. Like the worst pizza. I hated it. I got you. And they got like, always oh, got a cheeseburger pizza or something that I so it, had a like lot of meat on it. And so I was like, oh, well, guess we can't have pizza, darn. <laughs> Gotta eat literally anything else. <laughs> I guess we gotta have salads right and they'd get it like every other week or so and i would always oh yeah <laughs> i love cereal <laughs> which when you say that people oh what they think you're mad and i'm like no i literally uh -huh. just i would rather have any kind of cereal grape nut cereal <laughs> without sugar more than this pizza <laughs> all right but i do like cereal <laughs> i do too sometimes if I'm like, what do I want for dinner today? You know, cinnamon Chex Mix. Sounds good. Uh, give me some cinnamon Chex Mix. I can't keep oh, it at the I really, house. <laughs> I really like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I oh my gosh. I lean more towards cinnamony cereals. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, I love me some Lucky Charms. I do like that. Yeah. It makes me belch a lot afterwards, <laughs> so I don't eat it very often. But uh, Cinnamon Chex Mix. I'm... You can tell we were raised by our grandma. I'm like, give me some cinnamon check smokes, grape nuts, uh, honey nut, Cheerios. <laughs> Got to get that heart health. We're eating it at 12. Heart like, well, I'm, going, I'm heart healthy. Yeah. Add a bunch of sugar on that, please. <laughs> Sometimes some vanilla creamer in my milk. Yeah. Right. That whole milk <laughs> in that. Remember that when you could drink milk? <laughs> uh, right. I don't remember the last time I had a glass of milk. That wasn't from a nut <laughs> <laughs> or an oat. Oh my gosh. I I love Starbucks drinks, but anytime I go with friends, I'm always 
that person driving normally. And that always gives me such bad anxiety because people's drinks are always so complicated. I can't do it. And at the moment someone says upside down, I'm like, roll down my window all the way. Just tell them. If <laughs> just, I'm, you're just giving up. Just tell them. If there's more just than like me and one other person in the car, I pull in the driveway. I'm like, <laughs> we're going in. Everybody's ordering on their own. Whatever you want, you get it yourself. Right. I'm not about to... I just, I get bad drive-through anxiety. It mm-hmm. comes from our father who was oh. known to panic sometimes and just shut his truck off in the drive-through. <laughs> so I get a little nervous when, when I go through a drive-through. Yeah. I've usually looked up the menu if I don't know it already. And mm-hmm. when I get there, I'm like, I want this and that's all. Thank you very much. Like very straightforward yep. to the point. No dilly-dally. Yeah, me too. I actually cannot stand i get such bad anxiety if i get to the board and there's other people with me and they don't know what they want and oh I'm my like, god oh my god i'm like just pick something any mini mighty mo because i'm ordering now I, they're like just a- tell them just tell them we need a minute i'm like nope they said we gotta go this is mcdonald's <laughs> that's had the same menu for a hundred years you know what you want right? you if- want nuggets or do you want a sandwich you if- want chicken I hate when there's a kid in the car and the parents are like, what do you want? Do you want this? Well, do you want fries or apples? Do you want Sprite or chocolate? And I'm like, he wants this, this, and this, and that's it. But any toy, just throw it in the bag. Come on. Even now, I'm like getting... He won't eat. I get like residual anxiety from like past experiences. All to say, though, if you ever are with me and we go to Starbucks, you better know what you want. We're going better, in. It better not have the word upside down. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I just shut down. If it has more it. than five ingredients, you're going in. Yeah. I can deal with an alternative milk. Because I'm used to that now. Right. At first, even that, but I was like, like no, so that's an choices. inconvenience. I yeah. don't want to inconvenience. Them. Yeah. I'm used to it now. I've been desensitized to the alternative milk. It's so common now. Yeah. So I know all of those. But like when you start saying upside down... Uh, nope. I already know that you're you're going to be so complicated <laughs> that you're just going to have to talk to them because they're not going to get it right, and they're going to ask me if it's right, and I'm going to say yes automatically. <laughs> you're going to get what you get. Well, even on our trip to Illinois, I noticed that you and I get almost the exact same thing in Starbucks. Usually a large iced white chocolate mocha, mm-hmm. but the only difference he gets oat milk, I get almond milk. I found that funny. I was like, oh, yeah. we didn't like not even planned or on purpose. It's easy <laughs> to order. Right. It's quick. And if I forget what I want, it's always in the very top left hand corner yes. of the board. I need a venti iced white chocolate mocha, almond milk, and an extra shot of espresso, no whipped cream. Right. <laughs> I say it just like that too. <laughs> quick, especially yep. Starbucks. I'm like, if it's in the morning, don't get in front of me at Starbucks and not have your order ready because my window mm-hmm. will be coming down and my right. pre-coffee Josh is coming out. <laughs> get the hell out of there. <laughs> you better be getting coffee if you're getting like a frappuccino. <laughs> Some of us need this. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> These are all things I've said to people. <laughs> right. All this to say, Josh, <laughs> today we were going to be talking about... <laughs> before we got sidetracked, about mysteries from our drive. So Josh and I drove from our home here in Wabash, Indiana, out to two locations in Illinois. And of course, we had to drive through small towns and some medium-sized towns. 
And so while we were driving through those towns, we thought it would be really cool to find some cool mysteries and histories to share from the places that we were visiting. Yes. So why don't I go first? Because we've lost track (laughs) (laughs) of whose turn it to go first. I was even thinking about the hotel, like when we recorded, it was just the other day and I have hardly any memory of it. Right. We were high on pancakes and oh my gosh, five man. guys and chinese oh we had a smorgasbord God. at our last hotel we did <laughs> woke up to a room smelling of bacon it was heaven that was heaven but then there's also a fine line of too much bacon yeah smell. yeah and i know for you out there who love bacon that sounds absolutely horrible like that there could be such a thing as too much bacon but when you wake up to your room smelling strongly Just like bacon permeating you're like what's going on but evidently the kitchen where they made bacon at that morning was right below our room so it just like went right up the staircase right into our room (laughs) so i looked at josh and i was like how to pay extra for that (laughs) i was like if they don't have bacon (laughs) in the buffet in the buffet breakfast downstairs at our hotel i'm gonna be really mad because (laughs) they're just gonna like whiff it into our room and they're not gonna have it bacon teas I almost expected them to like charge extra for it. Right. You know, like, the rest of the food is on the house, but if you want the bacon, it's going to be an extra $5. It was I'm better than a telephone wake-up call from a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Let me stretch my ears. These headphones make your ears hurt. I have huge ears, so they... Get pinched sometimes. What was that elephant that had huge Dumbo. ears? Why do you think I pretended I was Bugs Bunny so much as a kid? I had huge ears and two big old front teeth. Like <laughs> I had to imitate somebody. I'm like Bugs Bunny. It is. I can do that. <laughs> Ate a lot of carrots. That's hilarious. Yeah, you did. That's funny. I also one of the only ones that don't wear glasses. So they say carrots are good for your eyesight. Right. I, I'd put money on it. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. So while Josh and I were driving through Indiana and into Illinois in the Mystery Machine Tesla. Always a good time. Right. One of the very first towns we came across is going to be a town that most of you have heard of. It was called Delphi, Indiana. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, of course, if you've heard of Delphi or if that name sounds familiar to you, It's going to be because of the double homicide of the two best friends, Abigail Williams and Liberty German. Abigail was 13 and Liberty was 14. And on February 13th, 2017, they had disappeared. They were last seen going on to the Mm -hmm. Monon High Bridge Trail in Delphi. The Monon High Bridge Trail is part of the Delphi Historic Trails. When you are driving through Delphi, you see the trail. It extends pretty much throughout the entire city. I've been on the trail before, and I actually went on it about two weeks after this happened with a couple friends. 30 minutes from where we live? 45, 30 minutes? Uh, Yeah, I would say about 45 minutes from here. I remember seeing it on the map and trying to remember how long, how far away from us it was. Yeah. At around 1.35 Eastern Time, Abby and Libby were dropped off by a family member just east of the bridge 
to get onto the trail. The two had started walking on the trail toward the bridge, making it eventually to the bridge. At 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a photo of Abby walking on the bridge. This was the last time anyone ever heard from the two. And Josh, I will say that when I have gone to that trail before, I noticed that immediately, so when the news reports were coming out right after these two girls disappeared, of course, photos of that bridge had gone viral at that point. But I knew from that moment that whoever had gone there, they had to have been on that bridge before because it's not actually a bridge. It's a trestle. Right. Very treacherous looking. Yeah. It once held a train track. And that's true for most of the trails that are in Delphi. The trails were once train tracks that were turned into the trail. And where the trestle is, the bridge that everyone knows as the image surrounding the Delphi case, as some people call it, that where that trestle is, that is actually not part of the walkway. They've never finished the trail beyond the bridge. So the trail actually stops prior to you getting to the bridge. There's warning signs telling you not to go onto the bridge. So why they've never torn down the bridge, I have no idea. Yeah, there's no handrail. There's no emblems of safety on this thing. In fact, I've seen the bridge, of course, in person before. And you have to have a, a wide gate in order to be able to walk between the wood pieces in order to walk across the trestle. Mm -mm. And a lot of that wood is not steady. Some of it's rotten. Some of it has fallen away. And yeah, there's no side hand. There's nothing to hold on to. And it's the second highest trestle in Indiana. It is very, very high up. Shane and I were not reckless children. We were like, those I ones know. I was like, I ain't doing that. That's liable to get hurt doing that. Right. And I think in all honesty, at some point in time, and this is completely my opinion, but I think that's probably why when Abby and Libby were on the far end, so they had walked onto the trestle and walked to the far end of it. And I think that they saw the man get on it and start walking towards them. Mm. That's probably why they started feeling uncomfortable because it wasn't very common probably for someone to walk as far towards them as this person was. I do know that local people would get on it. Like people their age would get on it to take pictures and stuff. Just as a female, you're raised from a young girl to be taught if a stranger, especially a strange man, starts approaching you, take caution. That's just a common thing for all women. Sad reality. Right. At 5.30 p.m., the two were reported missing when they failed to meet Libby's father at 3.15 p.m. The next day, both of their remains were found a half mile east of the bridge on the north bank of the Deer Creek. So, as I mentioned, the trestle is really high up. So, the person who was responsible likely took them down below, down to the water, which runs below the trestle, Mm -hmm. and they were found half a mile east of where that trestle was. Detectives had realized that Libby had recorded audio through the video recording feature on her cell phone, which was most likely in her pocket throughout the majority of the time. 
So I think that probably they noticed that this suspicious person was coming towards them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And she kind of took it out. And that's where we see the images that were released and the clips of the video of him walking toward them because she like held up her phone toward him and then she slips it into her pocket but the phone was still recording it was still video recording the entire time that ultimately helped lead to the arrest of a suspect didn't it yeah eventually just here recently but that's how they caught how he looks and they caught his voice saying down the hill detectives released those images and the suspect's voice saying down the hill from libby's phone to the public and everyone will probably remember when that happened. That was very, very big news. Here recently, late last year, on October 26th, 2022, a suspect was taken into custody and charged with two counts of murder on October 31st. And Josh, he was actually living in Peru. Oh, God. Yeah, Peru. Josh That's about 12 I. miles from here. Yeah, it's Thank just right next door. <laughs> it's just right next door to us. But Peru is between us and Delphi. Yeah. And according to the reports, he had worked at a pharmacy, basically, in Delphi at the time and had dealt with them. And everyone, I'm sure, already knows all of that information. But right. So he was from the Peru-Mexico area. Mexico is just a little further north of Peru. Okay. So Peru is very, very close to us. So just to imagine that someone like him who is capable of doing what he did just lives that close is unimaginable. I go there for a certain taco restaurant every Mm -hmm. week or so. (laughs) Right. So that's the story of the mystery that happened in Delphi when we drove through it. I remember when it happened, and that's when I actually first started dipping my toe into podcasting. A lot of people always ask why I never covered it on Foul Play, and the honest reason was because of a couple reasons. One, I do not like to cover series on Foul Play of crimes like that that are so close to home. Right. I am not a member of law enforcement. I cannot make arrests. I cannot crazily defend myself if a crazy fanatic person comes after me oh yeah and the last thing i wanted to do was endanger myself or someone that i care about by trying to do a series and gather more attention because i know that especially with foul play where i am the voice behind this narration series that Although the story is not about me, I am the creator of it, and I am very well aware that people will attach my name to it. Right. And I don't want to become the target of the person who will be living locally. And that's that was my opinion, my thought of knowing the trestle and how dangerous it was. I would never imagine that someone who was not very familiar with that trestle would ever cross the trestle. That is a 0% chance in my mind that someone would have done that. They'd look at it and be like, I'm going to break a leg. I ain't going to do this. This is completely my opinion. But you could have been the biggest pedophile, but you looked at that trestle. It was so dangerous that you wouldn't have even thought about going across it. And so, I, I mean, my opinion was that whoever done it had to live close or be a local person where they could still be in the area. And I did not want to put 
someone that I care about in danger. Did I think that the person was going to come after me? Probably not. But what what would the person Why do? Why take the go, risk? Yeah, they would probably go after someone you care about. I wasn't surprised at all you didn't cover it. You like to use your voice to give a voice to cold cases and these people who have been murdered in the past who no longer have a voice yeah. or anyone trying to seek justice for yeah. them. That seems to be more of your calling. Right. And even though their case was just down the road and extremely tragic, there was a plethora of voices telling right. their story and yeah. trying to seek justice. So no, I, I wasn't yeah. at all surprised you didn't. Yeah. Good. So another town that we drove through, Josh, was Danville, Illinois. Yes. Do you remember driving through that? So Danville, I thought this was really interesting. It is actually one of the most dangerous cities in the country. What? I know. Didn't know that when we drove through it. Probably glad I would have waited to it. pee. Right. <laughs> and it is the second most dangerous cities in the Midwest. Jesus. So Danville is east of Champaign near the Indiana-Illinois border. It's the sixth most dangerous metro area in the country and the most dangerous metro area in the state of Illinois. The hell's going on? <laughs> I know. Keep in mind that Chicago is in Illinois. I love Chicago. Uh, Me too. So there were 785 violent crimes reported in 2020, 1,050 for every 100,000 people. They have a murder rate of 17.4 people per 100,000. Jesus. That's more than double the national average of 6.5 people. Memphis, Tennessee is the only city that beats it, and they have the most dangerous metro city in the U.S. Memphis? Don't be walking in Memphis. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, you say Memphis. I instantly hear Cher in my head. I can't help it. <laughs> he loves me, everybody. Sometimes. Does he love you? <laughs> and there's Reba. No, he does. <laughs> so, Josh, another thing that I just found out about, which I was shocked to learn. This is something that I feel like everyone needs to know about, and I will probably do a hometown history episode on it Ooh. because I was so involved in being able to figure out all the details of it. So the Potawatomi Trail of Death traveled through Danville. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. So they traveled through Danville. They camped there before passing through, and four Potawatomi are buried in Danville from them traveling on the trail. So if you're wondering what that was, this was the forced removal of about 859 Native Americans, specifically members of the Potawatomi Nation from Indiana to reservation lands in what's now eastern Kansas. Basically like the Trail of Tears, pretty much. Yeah, just a different Native people. Yes. This was the largest Native American removal in Indiana history. Militia forced the Potawatomi to travel from Twin Lakes, Indiana on November 4th, 1838 and ended near present-day Osawatomie, Kansas. Jeez. This was about 660 miles, which took 61 days with the Native Americans on foot. Two months of walking. Mm-hmm. More than 40 Potawatomi people died. Most of them were children. Yeah, and while I was looking into... 
the events that played up to them being forced to leave their homeland, I found out that they had signed a bunch of treaties with Indiana. And what the historians say is that these treaties, they nicknamed them the whiskey treaties because what they would do is give those get them drunk and make them sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they were doing. And so they they would sign a bunch of treaties not knowing what they were signing or or even be able to read the yeah, language exactly. that they were written in. And suddenly when the when Indiana was saying you've signed away your rights to this land, you need to move, the chiefs and everyone from the nation were like, "No, we didn't. We would right. never do that." And so they started saying that their signatures were actually forged on those documents. Well, they didn't even have signatures. They most of know, the time they didn't. They're not writing in scripture on the right. Well, the Potawatomi people wrote to the president of the United States at the time, and they also wrote to the Secretary of War asking for help because they knew that Indiana would force them out if they didn't have help. But those calls for help did not come. And eventually Indiana sent the militia out to remove them. And so that's where this trail of death happened. That'll play along with my tale. Well, before you get started on that, I have a couple more. So Lafayette, Indiana, we traveled to right before we got into Danville. Yes. So Lafayette is, of course, home to... Yeah, it is home to Purdue University Mm -hmm. in West Lafayette. So, Josh, I bet you did not know this. Maybe you did, and you'll surprise me. But did you know that Amelia Earhart has a connection to Purdue University? No. Yeah, and I did not know that until I spent a year at Purdue for some classes. And they have a dining hall. Of course, I would know because of a dining hall. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> but they have like a dormitory for women, but they also have a dining hall named after her. And there's a statue outside of the dining hall hmm. of Amelia. And so I realized at that moment, like, oh, that's kind of cool. But I didn't realize that they had a, a bigger connection to her even while I was there. So her connection to Purdue began in 1935 when she joined the faculty as a career consultant and technical advisor in the Department of Aeronautics, Hmm. a position that she held until her disappearance in 1937. I love watching any documentary or anything about her. Well, actually, Josh, my unmasked episode for today is going to be on the mystery of Amelia Earhart. We're going to talk about all of it. I'm going to walk through the entire mystery of Amelia Earhart. It's going to be a special unmasked full episode. I have my own theories. Yeah, well, we'll talk about them. Good. So during her time at Purdue, Earhart advised and mentored students, particularly women, on careers in aviation and engineering. She encouraged female students to pursue their passions and break through barriers in traditionally male-dominated fields. Well, it wasn't back then. Right. Earhart also worked closely with the Department of Aeronautics, providing guidance on various technical aspects of aviation and sharing her experiences as an accomplished aviator. Now, Josh, here's something that most people would never have known. This was so interesting for me to find out because I know a lot about Amelia's disappearance, but I did not know about this. Hmm. So Purdue University played a crucial role in supporting Earhart's final flight around the world. 
The Purdue Research Foundation funded the purchase of her Lockheed Electra 10E. Oh, wow. Which was specially modified for the ambitious trip. So it had... A toilet. (laughs) Well, it had more gas tanks. Right, and a toilet. This, of course, would be the plane that she disappeared in during her 1937 flight. And as I mentioned... I'm going to go throughout her entire disappearance on our Unmasked episode. So Purdue bought that plane for her? Yeah. Well, so she specifically had it made for her. So she designed, I mean, the whole thing was made for her, but Purdue financed it, paid for the whole thing for her. Hmm. Yeah. I never knew that, and I thought that was just so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I think that Purdue needs to do a better job at, like, telling people that she had an involvement there right like because that that's really really cool maybe they underestimate the public interest in her still because i mean she's she's up there with one of maybe. my top path her and joan of arc are like mm, yeah. two of my top historical fascinations yeah yeah i've always been fascinated with her i remember as a child watching unsolved mysteries mm-hmm. as a kindergartner there's an episode of Amelia Earhart and Unsolved I first Mysteries. Learned about yeah, her. <laughs> yeah, that's how I first learned about her too. Ever since then, I've always wondered what happened to her and where is Amelia? We will talk about that on the Unmasked episode today. She's with the Malaysian flight. I have to also mention the second mystery that I found oh. while going through an old newspaper article, Josh, from Lafayette. I thought it was pretty interesting, but also a little racy. Uh-oh. I know. My favorite. So, on June 15th, 1912, the Lafayette Journal headlined a story that said, Rocks Point Out Buried Treasure. And I know how much you like rocks and buried treasure. Yeah. And a mystery. Crystals. Well, right. He says rocks. (laughs) All you crystal enthusiasts out there, he means crystals. Don't sentence me to death with throwing rocks at me. (laughs) Hexum. Hexum, ladies. (laughs) Hex me. (laughs) So, the article from, again, 1912, it detailed that a rock was found on the farm belonging to Charles Stair on Battleground Route 16. It was found in the year 1910, so it was two years prior to them publishing this article. Some big trees had been cleared, and they discovered a big rock that had these words chiseled into it. The words said... This is a quote. Go 600 steps north. Find Rock X. Indians buried 200 canoe, that's K-N-U, of gold. Want white man to get it. Joe Sander. Period. And that's what The Rock said. So that 1912 article said that when the folks who found The Rock, they find it and they're like, we're going to do what The Rock says. So they go the 600 steps north, they find a second rock. And I know you're probably just dying to hear what the second rock said. <laughs> gotcha. So, <laughs> that would have been great. Like a hundred years worth of just waiting for someone to get that. I just can't wait that long though. Right. But anyway, so the second rock was found and this rock was found on the farm of Frank Bubb and said... The exact same thing that the first one said. However, it instructed the person to go 600 steps west instead of north. So basically, the first rock would take you north, 
and it would find the rock, mm-hmm. and then that rock would take you west. Okay. Now, when you follow the instructions on the rock, you land on the farm of John P. Johns, who in 1912 would not allow anyone on his farm to check for the gold. Now, the article mentioned that canoe, K-N-U, they thought it meant canoes of buried gold. Okay. Like that the native people had buried canoes of gold. Neighbors had believed that Mr. Jones may have found some of those canoes of buried gold at some point, and maybe that's why he didn't want people searching on his land. Mm. So the name Joe Sander was a mystery. In the article, it mentioned that people believed he might have been an American soldier in the Battle of Tippecanoe who escaped after having been captured by Native Americans after learning about the hiding place of their gold. Another theory is that he was a hunter and learned where the Native Americans buried their treasure. There wasn't a way of telling how long the rocks had been buried, and many people believe that it may just be nothing more than someone's practical joke. I'd go with practical joke just from what I can recall of Native Americans. Gold wasn't a big resource then and now down in Mexico where it was more easily accessible, mm-hmm. yes, but... I can't see them wanting to hoard it. They traded in like goods and services and corn was gold to them or maize was gold to them. I would agree to that at some point, but when settlers or invaders, as native people would like to call them, exactly, when those settlers started having treaties with native people, I think that is probably when those native people would have seen gold having a, more monetary value right so i could then see them valuing it more maybe they, they didn't already some invaders and got their gold and they yeah. had no purpose for it knew it was dangerous to yeah. have and i'm not familiar with the native americans that were from that area during that time or how old that rock was or anything like that so my story will go into that oh, good. That's <laughs> kind funny. of the tribes anyway so That was a fun little rock mystery that I found. I did look up to see if I could find anything on Joe Sander because the rock has a name Joe Sander on it. And I did find one Joe Sander from Lafayette. Oh. Now, this Joe Sander is a modern Joe Sander who was arrested in Lafayette in 2016 oh, Jesus. with almost $400,000 worth of promethazine syrup, which is opioids. Oh, so like robotism. Uh, he, he making meth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's pretty much opioid syrup. His life is a meth. Oh, his, his life is a meth. Yeah, so... But $400,000 worth of that syrup, can you imagine? He probably had the clearest nasal passages. He probably found the canoe of gold and used it. Bought the promethazine syrup. Good heavens. I know. But that is my mysteries and histories for this episode, Josh. Well, I have something that kind of plays in with a little bit of your mysteries with the Native Americans, at least. Well, I was tasked with finding something mysterious along our route. I learned that Champaign, Illinois was founded because they built a train track too far away from the neighboring town Urbana. 
I had a little difficulty with that. I'm like, they literally built this, all of this, and nobody thought once, hmm, that's a little too far. Well, I did see that the reason they built the train track a little further away was because they had, because I was curious too, because we had stayed in a hotel in Champaign-Urbana, and the reason they did it was because the land was flatter over there, so they could, they didn't have to like flatten land but if it's inconvenient for you flatten the dang land right to make it closer to the city i mean what are you it's doing easier to flatten a little land than build a whole new city right i mean <laughs> well apparently the railroad was just like well we're just gonna build it over here we got money to blow <laughs> and irish and chinese immigrants to force into labor <laughs> right Well, I searched old newspapers, and I honestly Googled the heck out of most of the towns that we passed, but alas, I just couldn't find anything that really struck my fancy and kept in our mysterious theme. So, I ventured just slightly south from where we were and found something ancient and mysterious. That brings me to my topic for this episode, the Cahokia mounds or the city of the sun in collinsville illinois Hmm. now i will admit that native american burial mounds have been a fascination of mine since i was a little girl (laughs) my first experience with them was when shane and i were around 10 11 and we were at our family reunion at mound state park in anderson indiana now our family is incredibly large on our father's side so every year they would have it at a large cabin in the park And honestly, it's one of my favorite places. It's tucked right in the middle of a city and is a gorgeous park with hiking trails and ancient history. What's not to love? There is a large ceremonial mound that you can see and just a wonderful aura about the park. I remember every time I go there, you just, you feel positive and very happy. Now, you should explain what a burial mound is. Like for Native Americans. A burial mound is a large mound of moved earth that Native people have used to bury usually someone of high importance, usually chiefs. Everybody else, their bodies were just entered back into the earth. They didn't like preserve bodies or anything. But they also made mounds that were for ceremonial purposes, usually aligned up with the solstices of the sun for the seasons and They had very great spiritual significance to them. And growing up here in the Midwest, it's easy to forget that this area had a vast and rich history that extends past cornfields and hoeing. I had to add that, I'm sorry. (laughs) This area has been inhabited for thousands of years by several native tribes, and those mounds and artifacts are what is left of once thriving cultures and civilizations. The Cahokia Mounds were built around 1050 A.D. by the Mississippian natives. At its peak, it had a population of up to 50,000 inhabitants, and it was actually the largest city north of Mexico until around 1200 A.D. Wow. The park covers 2,200 acres, or around 3.5 square miles. But the ancient city was much larger. At its apex, around the year 1100, the city covered about six square miles. 
The mounds are located directly across the Mississippi River from St. Louis and were a thriving city up until 1400 AD. They were first discovered in 1811 by a future congressman named Henry Brackenridge after he was staying in St. Louis. He had a habit of journaling things he discovered during his travels, and he wrote in his journal, I crossed the Mississippi at St. Louis, and after passing through the wood that borders the river and half a mile in width, entered an extensive open plain. In 15 minutes, I found myself in the midst of a group of mounds, mostly of a circular shape and, at a distance, resembling enormous haystacks scattered through a meadow. One of the largest which I ascended was about 200 paces in circumference at the bottom, the form nearly square, though it had evidently undergone considerable alterations from the washing of the rains. The top was level with the area sufficient to contain several hundred men. Around me, I counted 20 mounds or pyramids, besides a great number of small artificial elevations. Pursuing my walk along the banks of the Cahokia, I passed eight others in the distance of three miles before I arrived at the principal assemblage. When I reached the foot of the largest mound, I was struck with a degree of astonishment not unlike that which is experienced in contemplating the Egyptian pyramids, and could not help exclaiming, What a stupendous pile of earth! To heap up such a mass must have required years and the labor of thousands. Were it not for the regularity and design which it manifests, the circumference of its being on the alluvial ground and the other mounds scattered around it, we could scarcely believe it the work of human hands. It is now a World Heritage Site, and Cahokia was composed of three burrows connected to each other by waterways and walking trails that extended across the Mississippi River floodplain. Its general population was mostly agriculturalists who grew large amounts of corn and craft specialists who built beautiful pots, shell jewelry, arrows, and flint clay figurines. Now I want to go there. I know. it's. I put the whole journal entry just because he painted such a vivid picture oh, of yeah. it. And I just, when I read it the first time, I pictured what he was seeing in mm-hmm. my head. And I just found that fast, like oh, yeah. to be able to see it for the first time. I agree. Undug up. Right. The city is one of many large earthen mound complexes that dot the landscapes of the Ohio and Mississippi River valleys and across the southeast. Despite archaeological evidence that these mound complexes were the work of sophisticated Native American civilizations, this rich history was obscured by the myth of the mound builders, a narrative that arose to explain the existence of the mounds. I remember hearing about those when we were younger at Mound State Park. It's like a group of like giant fictional creatures that built these things because oh native americans couldn't possibly Mm -hmm. examining both the history of the cowhokia and the historic myths that were created to explain it reveals the troubling roles that early archaeologists played in diminishing or even eradicating 
the achievements of the early civilizations on the North American continent. Just as the U.S. government was expanding westward by taking control of Native American lands. The ancient city is enormous, especially compared to the mound that I'm used to in Anderson. It was comprised of around 190 mounds in the platform and circular shapes aligned to a plain city grid oriented five degrees east of north. The alignment of the city is tied to the summer solstice sunrise and the southern maximum moonrise, orienting Cahokia to the movement of both the sun and the moon. I found that extra fascinating. Mm-hmm. The city was actually a melting pot for the area with people moving there from other tribes and resulted in different dialects, cultures, and histories. When I read that, I thought, ooh, if I could turn back time, oh, I would be a reporter there. (laughs) I just pictured myself as a reporter, like just interviewing these people. And Mm -hmm. I just, I found it so interesting, the ancient civilizations, like what gods did you worship? What do you have for breakfast on a normal day? It's the small details of their lives that I find interesting the most. The largest mound at Cahokia was Monk's Mound, a platform mound about 100 feet high and served as the city's central point and covered 13 acres of land. Monk's Mound was named for the community of Trappist monks who resided there for a short time after Euro-Americans settled in the area. So not only did it have Native Americans, it had European monks live there as well for a short time. Excavation on the top of the Monk's Mound has revealed evidence of a large building, likely a temple or the residence of the Paramount Chief, which would have been seen throughout the entire city. In front of the mound was a large open plaza that held a chunk yard to play the popular sport of chunkney. <laughs> this game was watched by thousands of spectators and was played by two large groups who would run across the plaza, lobbing spears at a rolling stone disc. The goal of the game was to land their spear at the point where the disc would stop rolling. Mm. I honestly cannot think of a time where I been educated on Native American sports. I've never heard of them playing sports. I Mm -hmm. found that incredibly fascinating. In addition to the chunk yard, I love the name too, upright marker post and additional platform mounds were situated along the plaza edges. Ridgetop burial mounds were placed along Cahokia's central organizing grid and marked by the Rattlesnake Causeway and along the city limits. It was built pretty rapidly, especially for the size, with thousands of people coming together to participate in this construction. This next part I found extremely delightful. As far as archaeologists know, there was no forced labor used to build these mounds. Instead, people came together for big feasts and gathered that celebrated the construction of the mounds. It was considered an act of loyalty and faith to participate in the construction of them. Mm. When you think of the pyramids and these large ancient structures, you often think of, oh, someone was forced into slave labor to do this. And I just found that just a nice, cheerful piece of ancient history. Mm. Like, oh, these people, actually, they enjoyed building this. Right. And you know me, I'm all about energy. So I believe I'd love to go visit (laughs) it because I'm like, the energy of the builders alone was joyous and creating this. It must have a lot of residual positive energy. Right. 
The workers dug using stone tools and carried the dirt in woven baskets that they carried on their backs, usually weighing over 50 pounds each trip. Over the 300-year period that it took to build the area, it would have taken over 15 million baskets of dirt to construct it. Now that's devotion. No kidding. And that, like I said earlier, it was built extremely quick in ancient civilization. 300 years, especially for something that large, is extremely quick. (laughs) (laughs) The splendor of the mounds was visible to the first white people who described them, but they thought that the American Indians known to early white settlers could not have built any of the great earthworks that dotted the mid-continent. So the question became then, who built the mounds? Early explorers working to answer the question of who built the mounds attributed them to the Toltecs, Vikings, Welshmen, Hindus, and basically everyone else but Native Americans. It seemed that any group other than the Native American Indians could serve as the likely architects of the great earthworks. The impacts of this narrative led to some of early America's most rigorous archaeology, as the quest to determine where these mounds came from became conversation pieces for America's middle and upper class. According to William Bertram's early journals, the Creek and the Cherokee who lived around the mounds attributed their construction to the ancients, many ages prior to their arrival and possessing of this country. So to answer the question from your, what tribes lived in the area, Mm -hmm. the Creek, Cherokee, and the Mississippians, Mm. just to name a few. Bartram's account of Creek and Cherokee histories led to the view that these Native Americans were colonizers, just like Euro-Americans. This served as one more way to justify the removal of Native Americans from their ancestral lands. They thought if the Native Americans were early colonizers too, the logic went, then white Americans just had much right to the land as the indigenous people. So just that on itself just struck me like the nerve. First they (laughs) discover it and the natives are like, oh no, our ancestors built that. And they're like, no, you couldn't possibly. You you must have taken it. And if you took it, then we can take it from you. Now get out of here. Like Mm -hmm. just a bunch of white men. (laughs) Yes. The erasure of native cultures. And for what? So we can have a dollar general every five miles. And a crumbling society of consumer culture. Can we have a redo? (laughs) Something interesting from a separate mound during the excavation of Mound 72, a ridge-top burial mound south of the main urban precinct, archaeologists found the remains of a man in his 40s who was probably an important Cahoten ruler. The man was buried on a bed of more than 20,000 marine shell disc beads arraigned in the shape of a falcon, with the bird's head appearing beneath and beside the man's head and its wings and tail beneath his arms and legs. How do you want to be buried, John? Right. (laughs) That way, please. The chief was responsible for keeping the balance between the spiritual forces between the upper and lower world. He was also responsible for maintaining order and harmony among his people. He ruled the earth and spoke to the sky, and his authority was unquestionable. The falcon warrior was very important in Mississippian culture. In addition, a large amount of finely worked arrowheads in a variety of different styles and material 
were found near the grave of this important man. The arrowheads were even separated into four different types, each with a different geographical region. The arrowheads demonstrate the city's extensive trade links throughout North America. Archaeologists discovered more than 250 other skeletons within that same mound. Scholars believe 62% of these were sacrificial victims based on signs of ritual execution, method of burial, and other factors. Some of the other skeletons include four young males missing their hands and skulls, a mass grave of more than 50 women around 21 years old with the bodies arranged in two layers separated by matting, Mm. and a mass burial containing 40 men and women who appear to have been violently killed. Some of them may have even been buried alive. A quote from an archaeologist, from the vertical position of some of the fingers which appear to have been digging in the sand. It is apparent that not all of the victims were dead when they were entered that some had been trying to pull themselves out of the mass of bodies. Mm. I like that they didn't use slave labor, and I'm not condoning sacrifices, but mm-hmm. I understand that was their religion, and that was a way of life back then. And not saying I'm glad it happened, but I'm not saying I don't find that fascinating as well. Yeah. See, I always, well, first of all, before I say that, the caveat to this is I'm always fearful of saying anything that I feel like might get me canceled. (laughs) But when it comes to history stuff like this, I am one of those people that I draw a line in the sand. Like for this, I understand that that was their religious practice, but they shouldn't have been doing it. Right. Now, I do not agree with the argument that People will say, well, you know, that's why Europeans were trying to make them more educated because they were quote unquote savages. Um, Y'all were in Europe doing much worse things than what they were doing. Quote unquote witches and children. I mean, right. So the fact that they were doing this for their religious sacrificing and stuff and not all Native Americans were practicing that. Right. But I don't think that it was okay. <laughs> it was definitely not okay to do it. It's interesting to look back and figure out why this society back then found it acceptable because I think in my history mind, it's always interesting for me to find what society sees as acceptable and how that changes over time. Right. So, like, for example, you'll find some Native societies who will have sacrificed people during periods, and then that falls out of acceptable behavior. Just like, you know... Or they'll do it in times of dire need. Yeah, and that's an extreme form of what I'm about to say, but that happens even in our society now where things change and they fall out of being acceptable in society for example woke would be the term people (laughs) use nowadays which i'm like you mean empathy right education right but even five or ten years ago you could do things or say things that were acceptable and you can't do those things now a lot of those things i agree with i definitely prefer the term disabled I completely agree that is definitely the term that we should use for people who are disabled, not calling them the R word. Right. Uh, So those things like that, I think, are more acceptable in our parents' or grandparents' 
memory, they will remember a time when women were sent to mental hospitals because they were opinionated. Right. How dare you? They were pregnant out of wedlock or because their husbands didn't want them anymore. A scandal. She ain't happy and clean and what do I do with her? Yeah. But society was acceptable of that behavior at that time and it changed for the better. But looking back on it, we can say that was unacceptable. And it's hard because, especially for Native people, that's not our culture. So it's people will get their hands up in the air of, you can't judge other cultures based on your culture. Which even the way uh, that these... I just don't like when people are hurting each other. Right. That's where I think, for me, I like to be able to say for myself... If I feel like something's acceptable or unacceptable, because that's when I know that I can draw the line on if I'll try a cult or not, for example. Right. <laughs> and I draw the line firmly on acceptable or unacceptable behavior if you're hurting people. Exactly. And a lot of these people, yes, even though some were found to be have been buried alive, that doesn't mean that they weren't to a degree again this was their culture so it Mm -hmm. was an honor to be a sacrifice to the gods they may have volunteered for it right and then you know you get in that situation who wouldn't panic i mean (laughs) well and and their idea at the time could have been that was just them evolving to a different plane or whatever the deal is right going up to the spaceship i know i know a, a big question in modern times now is medical assisted suicide yeah that's a big debate i'm not going to debate it <laughs> right. i'm not gonna give but, my opinion <laughs> right because the opinion will be not what a lot of people want to hear some will like it some, some will. will agree with it some will not and i will hear from the people who will not like it right <laughs> but all to say that there will always be people who agree and disagree and times change and people change and their opinions change And that's okay. I think as societies change and as cultures change, they change for the better. And that behavior, it would be a shame to not be able to look back at things like that, like sacrificing and not be able to say that's wrong. People shouldn't sacrifice one another because that's what will prevent our culture and other cultures from being able to do that. Regardless of our culture doing it now, if we as a society and as a culture say that's unacceptable behavior, we won't tolerate other cultures being able to feel like that's acceptable behavior. So I understand the other argument and the other argument is that's not your culture. Don't have an opinion about it. And I'm not demeaning it in any way. I ultimately find it fascinating, especially my main fascination with it are the ones that voluntarily, like some of these young women throughout a lot of ancient civilizations that were offered as sacrifices, it was almost like their wedding Mm -hmm. day. They were pampered, treated like a queen. They were basically like marrying the gods and it was an honor. And just, I find that so interesting to be happy to about to have your heart ripped out of your chest. Right. Well, the relationship between the burial mounds to the central burial was unclear. All the sacrifices to the chieftain, they were unlikely to all have been buried at the same time. They found that out by looking at wood in several parts of the mounds that had been radiocarbon dated to between 950 and 1000 CE. 
excavations have indicated that Mound 72 was not constructed as a single mound, but rather as a series of smaller mounds. These mounds were reshaped and covered to give Mound 72 its final ridgetop shape. So it originally started as one, and then they just kept Mm. building larger ones, which actually a lot of ancient sites are like that. The pyramids in Mexico, for example, they are originally started as like one smaller pyramid and then have been built upon to the size that they are now. Mm. They used machinery, I don't know what they use, but to look at the different pyramids underneath it. It's pretty cool. I did a whole episode on dark gods and sacrifices on my other podcast, so I'm a little educated on it. The population of Cahokia began to decline during the 13th century, and the site was abandoned around 1350 to 1400. Scholars have proposed environmental factors such as the environmental degradation through overhunting, deforestation, and pollution, and climactic changes such as increased flooding and droughts as explanations for the abandonment of the site. Now, normally Native Americans, that was their whole culture was to not use the land in a way that would make it unusable. They even did controlled burnings. They had a very extensive ancient knowledge of, that's why they migrated. Oh, this land, we've used all that we can now. We have to migrate to a new area so this land can heal and we can still flourish. But when this large city began, they started to develop problems that all large cities do. Overpopulation, crime, and even garbage. Up to 50,000 people were living in this area. That's (laughs) 50,000 people going to the bathroom every single day. Right. It's got to go somewhere. Just even that, the buildup of that, they weren't able to sustain the land like normal Native American people do. However, more recent research suggests that there's no evidence of human-caused erosion or flooding at Cahokia. Another possible cause is invasion by outside people. Though the only evidence of warfare found are the defensive wooden stockade and watchtowers that enclosed Cahokia's main ceremonial precinct. There's no other evidence for warfare, so it may have been more for ritual or formal separation more than military purposes. Diseases transmitted among the large, dense urban population are another possible cause of the decline. There are even some theories that propose conquest-induced political collapse as the primary reason for its decline, them getting taken over by rival tribes and the cultural trying to switch. It'd be like going from Baptist to Catholic, and there's going to be fights happening. Right. Together with these factors, researchers found evidence in 2015 of major flooding at Cahokia, so severe as to flood dwelling places. And this was natural flooding, not human-caused. Again, they used canals and water, man-made waterways throughout the city, and they thought maybe that they overdid it and it flooded. Mm. But there is evidence of a major natural flood in the area. Sediment analysis from beneath Horseshoe Lake has revealed that two major floods occurred in the period of settlement at Cahokia in roughly around 1260, and another one around 1340. So the last one was right around the time when the area was abandoned. Hmm. During the last 100 years, extensive archaeological research has changed our understanding of the mounds. 
they are no longer viewed as isolated monuments created by a mysterious race. Instead, the mounds of North America have been proven to be constructed by Native American peoples for a variety of purposes. Today, some tribes, like the Mississippi Band of Choctaw, view these mounds as central places tying their communities to their ancestral lands. When I think of ancient civilizations and location, my mind goes straight to South America, Egypt, Ireland, and Italy even. I love discovering that there are ancient areas right here, literally all around us in Indiana. Rich cultural heritage, myths, beliefs, religions, artifacts, gods, ghosts, and even recipes all flourished in what is now the Bible Belt of America. It is very easy to forget that before the trees were cut down to create fields for corn and the buildings of Chicago before the Great Fire, this area was once nothing but a massive, unending forest filled with an abundance of resources to allow numerous civilizations to grow and thrive for thousands of years. Until the cloning of white devils. <laughs> I had to end on that. <laughs> I got that from that podcast, Crimes from the East. That's what Pia calls them. And I just, I can't call them anything else. Settlers, you mean cloning of white devils. <laughs> but that is all I have for the Cahokia Mounds. That's very interesting. Yeah, I tried to find, I found a couple like cold case murders and stuff. And some of the smaller cities, but I wasn't able to find enough information about them to make something substantial. All right, Josh. So that's all that I had. Is that all that you had? That is. We gave him a good, was it two hour? (laughs) (laughs) No, that was about an hour and a half. Well, if you want to hear more from Mystery Inc., we have our unmasked episode that we'll be starting right now. Yeah. It's going to be on... After a bathroom break. Right. <laughs> well, what are your, what's your topic going to be? I'm going to be talking about a whole mystery. It's going to be on the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. I actually just have a little bit more about the Native cultures, and I found a little funny quiz oh, I good. thought that we could do. Oh, it's going to be fun. Well, if you enjoy listening to Mystery Inc., you can leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. A good review. Yes. If a you bad don't, one, don't bother. Yeah, just don't waste your time. Go go for a coffee. Yeah, go find something to love. Feedback this week comes to us from Ruppy, which was via email. Hey, Ruppy. Good morning, gang. Ruppy says, I have finally listened to episode one and I really enjoyed it. I tried to leave feedback on Spotify, but my old sleep-deprived brain couldn't figure it out, so you get an email. I wanted to say that the line about not being extra and other people are sometimes not enough, damn do I feel that deep in my Leo soul. I had to pause the show and take a few minutes with that. Josh, do you remember saying that? Yes. That was so funny. (laughs) You need to put that on some merch and take all my money. (laughs) Take all my money. Take all my money. I have been told over and over that I'm too much to handle and too much effort. Nah, fam, you are just not enough. Bye-bye. Anyway, love the pod, love the vibe. 
And we love you, Ruppy. That was so nice. Thank you, Ruppy. To me, that's one of the rudest things you could say to somebody is you're just being a little too much. I'm like, how dare you? Or your personality is just too big. Yeah, you got a you got a big personality. It's just because you're boring. Get out of here. It's because you can't handle my sunshine. Go stand in the mm-hmm. shade. I got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, I love old Southern women. I They're know. just nothing but a saying for everything. <laughs> well, one of my favorites that Grandma used to always say was, it'll all come out in the wash. Yep. Anytime. One of my favorite Miranda Lambert songs, just because of Grandma used to say. I know, well, and she came out with that kind of recently, but Grandma used to say when we were really young, it was a saying that she said her grandma used to always say. Oh, it's a common Southern mm-hmm. phrase. It all come out in the wash. It wars. all come out in the wash. And but, it does. Mm-hmm, it always does. Well, don't forget, you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash Inc. or you can find our premium episodes on Apple Podcast Premium to unlock our unmasked episodes and we might also start making bonus additional bonus episodes here soon possibly weekly yeah so just stay tuned for that and we're getting a lot of getting a lot of do more episodes so we're trying we're trying we want weekly stuff we want to hear from you more shane is leaving uh for europe and yeah, I'll be gone for a month. Yeah, you're going in June. So he's trying to catch up on yeah. getting all of his other podcasts as well before he leaves yeah. for a whole month. We will see you guys on Unmasked or next time here on Mystery Inc. Yeah, see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>